Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and the man wearing the golden G-string is Will Murden. How are you going tonight, Will? You can see that from all the way over in your lovely seat today, mate. I can. Twinkling away at me. Uh, it is riding gross. high. <laughs> Just a cheeky nut. All right, welcome to College Football Down Under. Uh, this is... Our week five show, we are, uh, what, a a quarter of the way through the season now. That seems to have moved pretty quickly. We get into some heavier conference play now. Out of conference schedule is pretty much done at this point. Save some rivalry games at the end of the year. Before we get into all of the wrapping up week four and getting into week five, firstly, just a sneaky preview. Will won some money this week. And he's up and about. He's up and about. It's happened finally. Uh, Vault Studio Podcast, we are part of that particular group. So make sure you head across and support those guys on their socials. And us as well. Um, helps us grow the show. Burnley Brewing. Jay, where's our freaking beer by now, dude? Um, but uh, they are sending over some lovely, lovely uh, beverages for us to... Wrap our little lips around as hopefully the weather starts getting a little warmer. I think at some point we need to start plugging other beers. Until the beer arrives, we can be like Cooper's Pale Ale. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. I think that's good. We've got some breweries around here. We've got some smaller stuff that we can certainly chip away at. They'll give us free stuff, hopefully, maybe. Yeah, Cooper's isn't know. even made here anymore. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. is. It? Yes, Cooper's is the one that is. West End is gone. That's sad. Yeah, but we need to go small. We need to go like, you know what? We're going to do a uh, beer tasting note of the week. Uh, It is springtime, IPA season. If you haven't had a Big Shed Boozy Fruit, New England IPA, nice amount of haze, real juicy flavor on the back end with your tropical fruit notes Um, and just running at a cool 1.8 standard drinks per as well. Um, four pack of them and you'll be having a very very good afternoon watching some college football I like that you have taken this let's grab a competitor of one of the sponsors and just absolutely run with it here mate it's good yeah. J.A. get <laughs> good your act together exactly alright uh, let's get into wrapping up week four Bef- actually before I even do that worst freaking birthday ever Birthday on the Sunday, got up early, watched Miami get fucking curb stomped by Middle Tennessee fucking State Blue Raiders at home. And then my, not only that, mum, uh, as, as mums do on social media, tried to be real cool and up with it. Like not just write the happy birthday message, but then added a gift like, hey, look how cool I am. And I know what Aaron's into. He'll be watching college football, so I'll put a college football gift. Tim Tebow clapping on a day where Miami lose on my birthday. <laughs> Fucking hell, mum. What a legend. <laughs> what a legend, your mum. Oh, that is brilliant. Uh, I Read the just, fucking room. I've just realised that uh, I didn't wish you a happy birthday at all. I spoke to you all day Sunday. <laughs> it was kind of not uh, a great day for you. I was up and about. I was having a fantastic day had a gr- on the back of a great weekend. Uh, and I, I've given you nothing there, mate. So that's my dad. I don't know how that one slipped past me. Um, I, uh, I went to a four-year-old's birthday on my own birthday. Yeah, that's that's not good. Times have changed. I fucking 
partially hate my life. Anyway, let's get like let's not worry about Tim Tebow clapping. Um, oh, that just infuriated yeah, me so a, much. That's anyway, a brilliant one. I'm really impressed not, by that. It's not. It's like come on, my, and she would be so chuffed with herself as well. She's like, yeah. Times it have changed, but I'll give you this: I dialed it back on the weekend, so I've I've been very well behaved this year by my standards in terms of what I've, what, what I've been getting up to and the amount of uh-huh. Sunday mornings I've spent as a complete waste on this planet. But this weekend, Friday night, sometimes it just they, they just go down a little too easy and there's like a mindset thing and I had me, uh, me footy club presentation night and it uh-huh. ended with me on stage, a microphone singing Friends in Low Places, which is my <laughs> karaoke jam. <laughs> that to is the the crowd of people who, at the time, I thought were into it, and at the time <laughs> I thought I was nailing it so much to the point when I got home, well pissed, woke the other half up, and I was like, I killed it on the D floor. The next day, however, when I look back on the inevitable Snapchats that follow these sorts of things these days, I was fucking terrible, like really, really bad. And it's disappointing that there's such a difference between me when I'm well pissed and how good I thought I was, because I, I honestly thought I was doing a decent job versus the reality of what I saw that that Saturday morning. But see, I think the big issue with that is we grew up in a time in our younger years as we crossed over that threshold into uh, heavy alcohol consumption as you kind of hit 16, 17, 18 and on. Uh, And phones and the recording of such stuff wasn't as it wasn't a done thing and it certainly didn't get passed around as quickly so you grew up in an in an era and we grew up in an era whereby you did have that confidence and you woke up sunday morning knowing that you'd nailed it because there was no evidence to suggest that you hadn't the worst thing that you had was like a text message that you sent and you were like oh i haven't done that have i I haven't <laughs> yeah. said that. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, you were singing on stage and you were like, yeah, fucking was. And yeah. that was awesome. And it was exactly right. You yeah. And now, now you're getting your legs cut out from you on a Sunday morning and you do not need, you don't need that. It's demoralizing. Yeah. Anyway, some news in college football because the people didn't listen to this show to hear us ramble on about absolute crap. Uh, some news. Jeff Collins gets fired at Georgia Tech. He took over from the, you know, worked out that triple option and he's kind of done that, but never got the recruiting thing going really. And, and the results this year have been really, really disappointing. Um, had a whole bunch of guys leave in the transfer portal this year as well. So didn't go right at all for Jeff Collins. And it looks like the AD is on his way out as well. So a complete reset for the Yellow Jackets. Where do they go from here, though? Like recruiting, yes, Atlanta and the, and the, the larger um, kind of Georgia, Atlanta metropolitan area is a recruiting hotbed. And, and you know, probably Georgia Bulldogs probably have their pick first. And then you're into other SEC schools. But the academics are really, really difficult there. And they're a limiting factor that you need to get past as well for Georgia Tech. Combine that with a history of pretty poor results recently now where do they go from here what what coach do you target do you go with an established guy who can maybe give a little bit of continuity do you go with a young and up and comer 
Where do you reckon for Georgia Tech? I think it's got to be a program builder, right? We've had the great reset that Jeff Collins was, and that needed to happen. It was inevitable that he was going to go and that he was kind of a transition coach out of the triple option. It was always going to be very difficult for him to establish it there. There's just so many moving pieces, and he probably lasted a year or two longer than I expected, to be honest. But we haven't seen the results there, so... Now you need a program builder. You need to start from scratch and you need to find the right guy who is going to focus on the fundamentals of the program, that is the, the culture that he wants to establish, the recruiting and and the brand built around that. And I think they have a solid brand. As, as you said, they're in a recruiting hotbed. What they do have going for them, which you've said is a negative there is around the academics, can be shown as a positive. Getting a degree from Georgia Tech is an impressive thing to walk away from. So yes, you might not be getting these five-star guys who are expecting to play the NFL, but there is a level of below that of guys who care about their academics and, and see football as an avenue to be able to get the best degree possible. So I think th- there's an opportunity in that for them to do it. The other thing too is that they are competing in the ACC rather than the SEC, which which has its, its pluses and minuses as well. I think that they can turn this thing and generate some success quite quickly in an ACC that seems to kind of rotate around a lot more yes we've had Clemson at the top but it seems like there's been other programs who've been able to jump out and and come into relevance where in the SEC we haven't really seen that we've had uh, two or three heavy hitters at the top it's always Alabama it's been Georgia a lot lately and then you know someone else kind of pops up from that LSU Florida whoever mix uh, but the ACC, I think uh, there's more opportunity in that for them to do that. So I, I think it's a good spot. I think the, the right guy will be difficult to find, obviously, but it's it's imperative that they've done that. And you can see, like, you look at what Lance Leopold's done at Kansas. He, he kind of, he, ha- he did it tough for the, the first season there, but he's a culture guy, he's building something. There, there's certainly a lot of positivity around that program. It's that, someone in that sort of, ilk that I think they should be going after. Okay, so maybe a bit of a younger up-and-comer. Someone's got a track record of success. Do you have any names on the top of your head that have been linked to the job uh, maybe that you could see making Not, not that the, I've the seen yet. Process? Who's the bloke at uh, Coastal Carolina? Who? Um, yeah. Um, give me a second. Ch- 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 Jamie Chadwell got there. Yes. So, someone like him to me kind of seems like the sort of guy that I think might be able to do well in a situation like this. And I think his name has been mentioned around it, and I think that would be a, a pretty good pick as well. So that's a good shout. Um, yeah, so Georgia Tech lose theirs. Nebraska, it feels like this could be... Who's like coaching Carousel already cranking into gear here a little mm-hmm. bit? And I don't know what this is going to shape up like, considering the vast changes we had last year. I think that was historic last year with the amount of movement. But... We won't see that this year, but it could be still pretty interesting come the end of the year. Tell you what they are. They are fun programs that you would jump to like post. You've started your NCAA season. You started as like a one-star school who was shit. And then you've kind of taken them to a national championship or done something outrageously good. And then you want to take the next job. I feel like a, a Georgia Tech head coaching job or a Nebraska head coaching job are a good one to jump onto as another challenge where it's like, you know, a, a... a possible powerhouse program who's been fucking garbage for a long time, take the job and 
restore them back to their glory. Yeah, but you need a team with good unis, and Nebraska doesn't have that on NCAA, <laughs> so that's uh, you got it because you need a mix and match. Anyway, let's get to games of interest from week number four. Let's dive straight in. We don't have any great takes here. I get, well, I guess we've got broad picture kind of takes because we know that if you haven't read the analysis by now, you would have got to all the box scores. You would have seen the highlights. So broad strokes. Let's start with a big, big upset that almost kind of has flown under the radar now as we move into week five, and that is Kansas State against Big 12 for Oklahoma. And, and the Wildcats get the chocolates here. Uh, against an OU team that had been tracking really nicely up until this point. Certainly has not flown under the radar in this household. I was up and about with this one, and it was part of my fantastic weekend because there's sometimes when your team, Oklahoma State, has a week off that it's a bit of a non-event for you, but for mine... It was all coming up Millhouse. Like, short of your mob losing, because I did feel for you, that's never a fun experience. It's it's a matter, like every college football season, you go through a wave of depression. There is a week where, you know, the, the all your hopes and dreams are kind of ripped from you. This, for you, this week felt harsher than most. Like, this was a really rough one, doing it when you're like 28-point favourites. So I don't, I don't want to kind of bash on that. And it's like the first thing that I've said. So I, <laughs> I, I apologize. But it is inevitable. And you, gave us, you gave me a point spread there, dude. I mean, <laughs> it's inevitable throughout the year that it's going to happen. Like it'll happen to me. It'll happen to everyone who's not <laughs> potentially hard, like a, a Georgia or an Alabama fan. Everyone else or maybe Ohio State. Everyone else is going to fucking have it at some point. So... <laughs> I mean, you can look forward to the fact that it wasn't an ACC game, so you're yeah. still live there. You're still undefeated oh, yeah. in the ACC, but shit, that hurts. Can we get um, off this game? <laughs> Kansas State were fantastic, and I've done it again. They're, they're making a habit of this. I, I love all the content that's coming out. Being like a, a out-and-out OU hater that I am, um, I'm just kind of basking in it. There's some really good stuff around how OU are not, running towards money, they're running away from Kansas State. All of that sort of fun shit. I love it. Uh, (laughs) And full credit to them because Kansas State are on the road in this one. This wasn't like hostile confines, whatever it is. This was a team that just owns uh, OU for whatever reason. New head coach, new OU team. I I can't explain it. But um, your boy Adrian Martinez put in a vintage performance. A number of big... Well, big like clutch third you, you, down. You can't runs. call it a vintage performance because vintage performance indicates that at some stage you had a quality performance. Yeah, his freshman year. That's vintage. <laughs> that is so long ago. Dude. Exactly. It's it's a it's a long vintage back. It's been sitting I mean, in the yeah. cellar for a while, and then he's pulled it out. He had four touchdown runs on the day. Uh, a number of like third and fucking forever that he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to take off, and no one's going to touch me. And it's it's those sorts of games where you often see some of the heavy hitters uh, go down. And it was good to watch, uh, perhaps not if you're an OU fan, but this really puts a dent in them. And I guess the overall Big 12 kind of takes a hit in these sorts of ones. Like I, I think it's, it's good for a conference to have these sorts of results, but in the national rankings, everyone, everyone goes, well, Texas lost, OU lost, so the Big 12's done. And that's kind of the consensus. And, like, you know, Kansas State are a couple of weeks removed from losing to fucking Tulane. 
So you can kind of see that <laughs> argument and why you've got that there. But at the same time, it, it's a good matchup. It's it's a healthy conference. You've got good games like this, so it's it's all fun. All right, I'm going to take Clemson and Wake Forest uh, double overtime in this one. Uh, the the takeaways for this one for me were a couple of things. Firstly, um, I didn't think it was going to be Sam Hartman's year, uh, and I was you know obviously that indefinite injury and and then I thought they were toast and then he's come back the week prior and he's looked really really good and then gets this game to a winning position and they played really really well again Wake Forest but broad takeaway and this is something we saw in other games maybe not so much in the Big 12 but we did see it in other places and winning is a habit and Wake Forest had this similar situation last year against uh, North Carolina, were up big and then just fell away down the stretch and, and couldn't finish that game off. They had Clemson last year in a winning position as well and couldn't get that one done. They just, unfortunately for Wake, just cannot, when push comes to shove, make that big play. And overtime, their overtime periods look really discombobulated and it looked like... They weren't organized, weren't ready to win that game in that moment. And it's happened again. And I don't know how you shift that. Sometimes it's a little bit of luck, but it just looks like there's some cultural stuff there around Wake Forest and learning how to win. And that takes time and it takes experience. And it's something that college football players don't have. And that is time. Um, I've got no doubt you play this game again with the same players over three, four, five years. Yeah, eventually Wake Forest will catch them at some stage. And, and shift that narrative and shift that culture within the program. But it's a really hard one to overcome with the amount of turnover um, and reputation stick and culture sticks in the same way that Texas have a reputation now that is sticking. Miami have got a reputation that is sticking around, you know, they are overrated consistently throughout their preseason and then they fall flat. Wake Forest now developing this reputation that they cannot win the big game. Yeah, and it's going to take some time to turn that around. I think it's it's even more than that because yes, one of the one of the elements here is time, but you also need the money and the facilities and the backing to kind of generate it to continually be able to do that. And I think yeah, but yeah, yes, yes, and I, I, like I hear what you're saying, but you've got your quarterback and you've got a good coach, and yes, yes, they're punching, yeah, they're punching above their weight, but they've got themselves in winning positions multiple times over the last two seasons with that quarterback with those wide receivers and they haven't finished the job and yeah and, and and but that's what i'm getting at is that this is kind of it's a cyclical sport for most teams and and wake for us to one of those teams and next year they're not going to have that quarterback whoever they have that comes in to replace hartman here is not going to be as good he's not going to be kind of putting them in their position and they're not going to have that same opportunity yeah, to develop to that winning culture yeah 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 yeah, that make, I guess that makes sense. Um, you just hope that in one of these two years where they look really dangerous that they can actually execute on that. And 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 they haven't. And now they're... I mean, we'll get into this as we talk about this week's game, but they're in real danger now of, you know, dropping to middle of the pack in the ACC Atlantic. Not because they're a bad team, but because all of a sudden... Um, the Atlantic's starting to look pretty decent through that middle part, and you're going to have to play well, you know, week in, week out. And we don't know if that's going to be the case for Wake Forest. As much as we love Sam Hartman, we love At Perry, um, 
and we love you know Dave Clawson as well but we want to see uh, results and that's where we're at and and I'm sure fans do as well okay let's move to the skillet TCU SMU talk us through Southern Methodist and their number one passing attack in the country they got it done right Oh, so you were so confident in this one, and I was, I was. like, I, I, I'm not so sure, my friend. I'm mm. not so sure. I, I don't think not that's, so fast, my friend. That's the case. And Sunny Dykes uh, kind of knew a thing or two about what they've got going on down there. <laughs> didn't factor that in, did I? Didn't factor <laughs> that in. <laughs> and uh, as a result, we have seen the Horn Frogs get out here and continue their perfect start to the year. I think there are a number of under-the-radar perfect teams. TCU, very much one of them. I think they're all the teams that haven't played anyone. Like, they've yeah. got... Like, this is kind of their market game. And it's it's not a bad game. SMU are going to be a good football team. They're going to be challenging the American. They have dropped now to 2-2, two and two though, which makes it difficult for them. But Max Duggan had a had a fantastic game here. Um, Tanner Mordecai, still prolific, but turned the ball over a couple of times, yeah. which you seems just can't like, do in a... In yeah, a but it seems like that's their jam a little bit. It's just like, we're just going to run and gun, and turnovers don't mean as much to us as they do to other teams. It sort of feels like how he plays the game. And I love that. Like, I'm a big fan <laughs> I of that. I know you do. That's, that's <laughs> very exciting football. That's me on the NCAA sticks. Like, I'm all about it. But <laughs> it doesn't stack up when you're kind of going against a, a big five team. You need things to go your way. You don't need to necessarily play perfect because big I think five. the difference between big these five. two... Big uh, five. Power five. That's like big, big five big, holiday parks? Big, I don't know. Is that what Big 12? <laughs> Isn't it big four? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's lots of big. Anyway, move I'm on. I'm going to big... big oh, Jesus big 12 holiday park this weekend <laughs> will be for me on sunday morning uh let's not go into this too much but smu tcu fairly close uh but tcu the better side here on the day and continue the perfect start of the year duke at kansas and the oh. jayhawks are four and oh turkin talking perfect starts of the year oh not underrated here though so jalen daniels we wanted to see I feel like they are going to be the Cinderella story this year. Kind of people got on Coastal Carolina, people got on Wake Forest and, and wanted to see, you know, whether it was Cincinnati, people are going to get on Kansas here. They're going to want to see. And it, and by getting on, we're not talking playoffs here. That's not on the horizon for them. But like, let's get to that bowl game. Let's get there comfortably. Let's get to a good bowl game. I mean, you're you've done... A whole heap of the heavy lifting already in this game. It was Jalen Daniels again on the offensive side for Lance Leopold's men. He scores five TDs, four in the air, one on the ground in a 35-27 win. Uh, but just looks really comfortable. A really good decision maker. Uh, it's not an overcomplicated uh, offense, and he can make decisions quickly. And then if it's he doesn't see something he likes, he's got the freedom there to uh, exit with his legs, which he does, and he's calculated with that. I mean, he just keeps those defenses off balance enough. You then go to Iowa State this week, and they may be favorites in that. As they, they're probably not, but hosting Iowa State. And, uh, you know, the, the clones haven't exactly blown the doors off to start the year, so no reason that Kansas can't continue their winning streak, but a really, really continually impressive and that's what i like these aren't like upstart wins against texas like they got last year this were this is like genuinely winning football games for kansas um it's not gadget plays and special teams it's on the offensive side of the ball and uh you know carry on jayhawk football 
yeah, it's great to see them winning games. Uh, J- Jalen Daniels has been fantastic. Number one QBR on the season through the first four games of the year. It's going over 70% uh, passing rate, uh, 11 touchdowns, one intercept. Like, he has been phenomenal and real dual threat guy, as you said, and not like a, a run first dual threat guy. He's doing it both. Mm. There, there is that balance that you often struggle to see with guys who rely on their legs because they're like, I'm just going to pull this down and take off with it because I'm awesome. Uh, yeah. It's not that. And it's going to be interesting to see how they go when they get into the meat of the Big 12. But uh, you're right, it's tough not to root for a, for a team like this one. Uh, well, I don't know that we're touching on the Kansas-Iowa State game later. So do they have a chance this week? I think they've absolutely got a, a chance. I mean, Iowa State's still a very competitive football program, but coming off of a loss to Baylor there, they're certainly going to be in that game. All right, Texas and Texas Tech. Big, big upset in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, it's not a massive upset in that they were relatively tight going into this. Texas Tech have been it playing... It is in the state of Texas. It is in the state of Texas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is if you're a Texas fan, right? You expect to win this game. And you might not expect to beat Kansas... And this is before Kansas were good. You might not expect that. But you, you certainly do expect to, to win this one. And I think it's going back to 2008 since uh, Texas Tech were last able to knock them off. Look, they fucking tried their hardest not to. Watching this one down the stretch. Uh, just missing field goals and just kind of fucking around. Like, or kicking a field goal and then letting Texas essentially march the field in like 12 seconds to be able to get their own long-range field goal off and send it into overtime. It, it just felt like one of those ones where it's like, you guys are screwed the pooch here and you're going to get done. Wasn't the case, though. Pulled it together in the first play of, uh, of overtime, stripped uh, your boy Bijan Robinson there, got the ball back. He had a good game up until that point. He had a great game. And, and he seems like he's an absolute weapon. I'm reading reports now that like since that game, he's just carried a football with him everywhere. Like <laughs> He just carries it with him and he encourages people on like campus and shit to try and strip it off him. And I'm weird. like, I hope that he's just dishing out stiff arms though. Like, <laughs> kids go there to like whack it out of him and he just like, throat checks them through <laughs> the wall of the classroom. That I'd be all about. So, look, it's a great result for Texas Tech. Texas are not back. They are still what they are. Fantastic result for the uh, the old Big 12 with both of our SEC leaving sides <laughs> copping a loss. Take that <laughs> yeah. on your way. So the Big 12 is really just hating on Texas and Oklahoma at this point. Is that, is that the kind of the consensus? that? They, absolutely uh, they are, yeah. Like, wouldn't okay, you? Good. If, if Clemson and Florida State were to say, hey, we're out, we're going to the SEC, how would you feel about those programs? I'll let you know in three weeks' time. <laughs> uh, okay, Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee controlled this one the whole way. Uh, things got a little bit weird at the end. Florida scored a touchdown with 17 seconds, and then they recovered an onside kick and like just plucked it straight out of the air. That was pretty sweet. Um, but to me, Florida were never really in it. They they always were kept at arm's length. It was always kind of a 14-point margin or a 10-point margin. They kind of never really 
challenged in a very meaningful way, I guess. Hendon Hooker was really, really good. He was decisive in the pocket. A bit similar to Jaden Daniels. Uh, Jalen Daniels has a, a good feel for when to go and when to not. Um, and then you've got that um, hypo high octane offense as well, which is providing a lot of scoring opportunities. And we said they're going to get a 31 points eat, like just by default or 35. And they got to 38 and, and that was enough in the end. Richardson who I've been highly, highly critical of. Got his first t- um, passing touchdowns um, this week. One, having said that, one of them was like a uh, tight end freak show kind of game uh, where, you know, just made a play with his legs, scrambled, keep the play alive, dishes a pass out, and then like three broken tackles later um, ends up in the end zone. And it's like, well, okay. Um, anyway... But, yeah, it was his best game against the Power Five. I think the disappointing thing for for this team, though, is Billy Napier, who was known for his run game at Louisiana, just can't get this thing going. 3.4 yards per attempt on the day. And you just felt with a little bit more consistency in the run game that you're going to get some better results because you're just going to be able to control the tempo a little bit more. And, and that just wasn't the case. And I, and I was actually, I know you're giving up 33 points, but the Tennessee defense was okay in big moments. Fourth down stop to open the game. You're held to a field goal at times. And you know your offense is going to do a job for you. So I think Tennessee look okay. Um, Florida were playing from, like I said, behind. And, and to me, the Vols are going to be, they're not perfect, obviously. That defensive side of the ball is going to be uh, probably their Achilles heel. But they're not going to be an easy beat um, in the West this year. So look for Tennessee to continue. And and I know they've got Kentucky coming up, which I like them in that matchup as well. And they're going to have Texas A&M and, and some others on the schedule. And, and I just feel like they're going to be okay in that one. Sorry, yeah, okay. yeah, no, I, I believe you. I didn't catch much of this game, so I'll, I'll take your word from it. From what I saw, it looked like Florida were never really in it. It felt like Tennessee mm. were in control. So then when I saw and watched the, the final moments of it on replay, I was surprised that it was it had kind of got to this point where they almost had a shot, but not mm. really. Uh, Washington State and Oregon. Now, speaking of that, it feels like there was sort of a, a similar situation with Washington State getting out early and keeping Oregon at arm's length until they didn't anymore. Yeah, it, this was an insane one, this one. So oh, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to go into it now or when we talk on the punt here, but this was a ride down the stretch. Only, what was it? They put up 28 points in the last quarter, Oregon. Yeah. Of which like 21 came in like a three-minute patch or something crazy. 29 points maybe? It was like an odd number. It, it was something stupid and it was heartbreaking for someone who was looking pretty positive on the punt because <laughs> Washington State were a good five points plus up most of the day. All day they were kind of up. Halftime they were up. They were looking really good. And then late in the piece, we're talking like a minute to go, they give up a touchdown and are down by two. Now, when you've got six and a, plus six and a half here, you're like, that's sweet. I'll take that. The very next play, Washington State throw a pick six. 
like, fuck, now they're down by nine and there goes my cover. Like, you've got to be fucking shitting me. I have been dealt a harsh hand here because I was, I was sitting pretty not, not seven seconds ago. And then to, to keep things going here with nothing really online because it's nine points, uh, Washington State drop a bomb and the bloke catches it and kind of falls down and bounces into the end zone. So he's found to be down at the one-yard line. Game's essentially over because they're nine points. There's nothing they can do. Um, but they've got five seconds left. So one play, and they run it, they get in, score the touchdown, save me my cover, and everyone's like, yeah, I love, <laughs> love taking the points. It was, yeah, it was crazy ending. Like, I don't know. I, I, I have a newfound respect for Washington State for getting those points. Because they could have just packed it in. It didn't mean it. They, they weren't going to win. But they battled for me, and, and I really appreciate it. All right. Uh, how did my boy Bo Nix go? He was really good. Really good. People are, just shows how average the Pac-12 is. People are starting to talk Heisman about this no, fellow. They're the way they're, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing no, not. murmurs. Not people of any like notable... <laughs> experience in there's the game a, there's a lot of garbage commentators in the college football world oh, so maybe in that group but of which hey, we are the, part of that the so groundswell has started okay uh arkansas texas a&m arkansas blew the doors down early got out to a big lead and then just stalled out completely texas a&m got just enough offense and held on still not a believer in texas a&m um, Sam Pittman's that, that's not the sort of that's not a Sam Pittman type loss he's kind of done a really good job at coaching around that kind of situation whereby the offense falls in a hole and he, he can get something out of special teams get something out of defense and finds a way to win those ones in in his uh, relatively short head coaching career with um, the Razorbacks but he couldn't manage it in this one and and Texas A&M again dodge i know they didn't dodge app state but certainly feel like they're getting away with games here and they appear to be a little overrated at this point um the last game as well usc oregon state really low scoring one i picked a high scoring shootout here 17 14 to the trojans caleb williams and jordan addison had to connect on a late touchdown to get the win in this one oregon state looked the part but again Winning is a habit, and Oregon State don't have it in those big games again. And I would have, you know, could they just make enough plays at the end? And unfortunately, couldn't get it done. But this is a kind of, and you'd know this better than me, but Oklahoma, Lincoln, Riley teams have had that game every year where all of a sudden their offense just stalls out a little bit. And sometimes it costs them losses, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, this this year they got away with it, but don't. This is uh, the abnormality in terms of a scoring and offensive performance for the Trojans. Definitely is. I mean, I I would argue that they haven't got that winning edge of of late. So yes, Oregon State aren't just winning yet, but it's not as if USC do. Like I, I, you, Clemson, one hundred percent. They they have established that as part of what they're doing. USC have not but it's starting to look like Riley's bringing it in. He has just brought in this fresh air, these players that are delivering for them at the moment. You're right, they do have these ones where they can stall out and it can all go pear-shaped for them. I don't know if it's like amazing defensive coordinator work or the quarterback just has a down day or what it is, but it, it does happen and it's not something that I would expect to be the norm. USC will come back out now. They've got... 
someone this week. You can see I'm dialed into it here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Mate, have you slept or something? What's going on here? Wheels are falling off. Just a busy guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the worst calls I've ever heard. Oh, shit. They've got a game this week. That's what you guys are paying us for this podcast for, so we can give you some real hot insights like and, that one. And they may not. Like, they might have the buy. I might have not even have got that right at, in, at all. No, nah, they got Arizona State. There we go. I did see that down the bottom of the ticker there. It, they might as well not, because Arizona State stink. And that, they will put up 40-plus points this week. Okay. Wow. That was some of your shittest work there. Okay. Uh, headlines from this week. I am bowing out now of the headline game, because I have now missed four for four. I said Rutgers, and I would look like a soccer score. It did not. And I thought that Drake May would get touted as the next big thing in a win over Notre Dame, but that didn't happen either. And that game sort of fizzled to irrelevance um, alongside all the other big games that we've just mentioned and the upsets that occurred that week. Uh, Things certainly didn't go chalk. And as a result, Drake May didn't get the attention that he will get at some point this year. It just wasn't against Notre Dame in week four. Time machine is broken, mate. Time machine is broken. So we're just going to put that one on a little hiatus while Doc fixes things up a little bit. Um, in the meantime, let's get to our punters because, of course, they are people too. Yes, so we've got some familiar names uh, this week that we're going through here. We've heard them here before, fantastic efforts. We'll start with Oscar Chapman out of Auburn. Uh, he's a PAC kid, so they played Missouri on the weekend. He was busy. I didn't think he'd be this busy against uh, the Mizzou Tigers who were struggling themselves, but he had eight punts. <laughs> Uh, three of them dropped inside the 20. Uh, five fair catches on that. Total return yardage of negative one yards. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's not bad. Got to be impressed with that. We have Lane Wilkins uh, out of Houston, who's been busy this year. He averaged nearly 50 yards a punt on his three punts uh, up against Rice this week. We had your boy Nick Constantino who has mm-hmm. backed up a massive game against your Miami Hurricanes. What are you doing here, dude? You keep bringing them up unnecessarily. Like, I don't need bit. to be taking yeah. that sort of shrapnel from... That's like, fair. You're now going back two weeks and talking about punters <laughs> in the process. Like, fuck me. Yeah, you're catching me out here. Uh, he, he put his for a solid uh, day negative return yards himself too. So he's pulling together a few good weeks here, getting himself in contention for that Ray guy. And last but not least, this is fucking big. I, I, I haven't seen numbers like this in quite some time. Our boy Lucas Dean at uh, mm-hmm. UTSA, Roadrunners, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. averaged, ov- averaged over 60 yards a punt Whoa. on his four punts on the weekend. He had three of them over 50 yards. He had a 76-yarder in there. That's going to help. And he is just hammering bombs. (laughs) All right. Let us move on to week number five. We've got some games to get to. Uh, There's a bit of an interesting slate, maybe. It's it's kind of one of those weeks, I think. There's some ranked matchups that may provide something, maybe not as well. I'm never good on this particular show at predicting which ones are going to be good, but we're going to get to the ones that we believe are going to shape up to bring some entertainment before getting on the punt. We're going to 
preface that with a little segment here called what we didn't know but now we know so four weeks into the season um there's some stuff that we didn't know at the start of the year a lot of question marks around a lot of teams now we know we've got some answers to some things so what didn't we know but now we know that's good this is good i like this what do you got for us first one uh i should know this already but i don't don't get scared off by alabama Slow starts are their thing, particularly on offense. We've seen this in the past, and I did it. I was like, oh, they don't have a receiver. They're running games meh. Um, it's all on Bryce Young. They still rank first in SP+. So they're still predicted to go and have a very good year. They're still predicted to go and make the playoff. We have seen this story before. So don't get scared off by Bama. Next. What didn't we know? We didn't know that Clemson are not in the upper echelon of college football anymore. But now we know. So you're saying that that Wake Forest double overtime uh, victory was enough for you to say they're back at the pack. They are no longer uh, a step above the rest of the ACC. And not just because of that particular result, but we've got a team that is on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, DJU looking a little bit better, but they're 40th in the country in yards per play um, at six yards per play. Now, their teams, the teams they've played so far this year, Georgia Tech just fired their head coach. LaTeX, nothing great. Furman, I mean, their offensive stuff was good. And then Wake, whose defense is never anything to write home about. You've got to get more out of your offense than 40th in the country if you're thinking about being you know, in that elite playoff kind of contention. And that's okay. Maybe 40th, you know what, from an offensive perspective, that's okay. If our defense is elite, really, really good, as it has been under Brent Venables, with all those defensive linemen flying around, well, where do they fit in that? 39th in the country in yards per play on defense. So you've got this team that, yes, still good, but certainly more average than we're used to seeing, that we're accustomed to seeing from both sides of the ball there for Clemson. And as a result, they have come back to the pack and are playing well above their fifth-ranked uh, position in the country at the moment. Well, now we know. Now we know. Uh, what didn't we know about Florida State? Maybe they're actually good. I don't mean excellent. I don't mean just competent. I mean, I think they're pretty good. You go to LSU week one. Yeah, you can say it's week one, not an easy one. You go to Louisville on a short week. And your host, BC, yeah, you had a, you know, I so checked that LSU was week two. So you had a bit of a tune-up game in week one. I get all that. But two road games against competent teams. Um, Louisville, never easy to play that stadium night game. Things get a little bit rowdy. And in the past, we've seen them lose these games, but not this year. Not under Mike Norvell this year. They're actually playing far, far better. 19th in the country, offensively, yards per play. We're seeing some better production and better balance in that run-pass game um, with John Travis kind of leading the way. Uh, and he's he's managing... He's nearly over 1,000 yards already through the air. Now, that's not prolific by any means, but that's getting more balanced than what we've seen in previous years. The offensive line, which has still been problematic... Problematic is probably a bit harsh. They've still been inconsistent, but they're not the leaky disaster that completely upends an offense that they have been in years prior. So I think Florida State here looking really, really good. They've got a challenging game on deck this year, but they're a chance here to really contend for the Atlantic in 2022. Yeah, what I think we know without a doubt now is they are no longer the basket case that they were. 
And, and that was the question mark. Are, are they going to continue this ineptitude that has plagued the program for the last few years? We know that that's not the case. They've shown enough this year that there's hope that this team is, is back on the right path. And I think it's good for the Atlantic. Like Clemson, yes, they're still it's good for going football. pretty well. Wake, yeah, Wake Forest is strong. NC State, and say what you will. I mean, they're ranked, what, 10 in the country at the moment. So all of a sudden, you've got four teams on that Atlantic side that are ranked, and that's what we want to see. Syracuse, plucky. Uh, next, what didn't we know? Colorado's run defense is historically bad. We thought they would be pretty bad. We didn't know this bad. Through four games, they are giving up a whopping 323 yards per game on the ground at 6.95 yards per. That's nearly seven yards a tote and four touchdowns per game. Just, that ain't it. They just line up against it. Barry Sanders every week or what's the deal here? No, no, they're not. Oh. Teams are putting the cue in the rack as well. Oh, they're running like fullback dives and shit in the last quarter just to give them some confidence. Yeah, it good. is not good. You need to plug something like give them the passing game. You cannot get manhandled and just abused up front. Um, and yeah, ooh, it is a it is a tough watch for that Colorado run defense. Lastly, what didn't we know? But now we do. A high state, another incredible wide receiver duo. But it doesn't feature our boy Jackson Smith and Jigba. So Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Amika Egbuka. Nailed it. That's not it. (laughs) Um, Amika Egbuka um, are leading the Buckeyes wide receiver core this year and doing a fantastic job. Five touchdowns each, both on pace for 1,500 yards this year. Those two guys have done an, an awesome job. Now, I know Marvin Harrison is, is already gaining a lot of traction. Obviously, his old boy, um, a famous NFL. In fact, maybe Hall of Famer, is he? He'd have to be. Um, but And, you know, had some, you know, some flashy boots on this week and he's doing it in the Fitbit and all this kind of crap that was sprayed all over social media. Uh, but he's playing really, really well as well. So... No doubt things will tighten up as the conference schedule starts, but they've started with their hair on fire. And to that, they add four catches only from Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I think is one of the best receivers in the country. So they continue to churn out, and they've got what the best, the best recruiter in the country is their wide receivers coach as well. But those two boys are chopping it up at the moment and don't expect them to slow down the pass game at all, the Buckeyes in 2022. Uh, Marvin Harrison Sr. inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2016. Whoa, was it that long ago? Yeah, we old. Oof. Was he a first ballot? He must have been. 15, so he would have retired in... When did you say 16 he got in? Yes. So retired in 11. <sighs> yep, okay. We old. All right. Is there anything that you didn't know at the start of the year, but now you know, Will? Uh, I think the... You've capped off the the main bits of it there, mate. I think as we go on every week here, we're going to uncover a little bit more. We're going to chip away at it. I mean, there is stuff that we thought we, could we bring knew out that dead. we we definitely knew. We could certainly bring out our dead, <laughs> but uh, no, like it's it's been surprising on a number of fronts 
in in terms of what we've seen from some programs like Kansas and uh, Duke even before that um, kind of turned few, uh, things around, which has been good. We we were we didn't know whether we were going to see that, and and we've seen some positivity in that camp as well. Uh, what I would argue is we still don't know if Michigan is any good. Yep. And, and we're gonna and, and and there's still a lot of teams in that boat, right? We don't know anything about UCLA. They're coming up this week. Um, they've got a bigger game on deck, but we just don't know because their out of conference stuff has not been particularly venomous. Mm. And, you, and you, as a result, you compare that to a program know. like Texas, where I feel like you know they've been in the headlines every week with every game that they've played, and they've yeah. just been yeah. Yeah, and and projecting forward, I hope this season is defined by Kansas more than it's defined by another Georgia Alabama national championship win. That uh, is what I'm hoping for. Don't hold on to that hope too hard, my man. I'm not. I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to. But I just, you know, hopefully they can make the run that Coastal Carolina did last year, uh, two years ago, or Cincinnati making the playoff yeah, was kind of it's a big story. Bit, I think it's a different story at a power five level for a program to do that to be honest oh certainly but again it's what we want to take as the key storylines from this year okay let's get to week five action as we get towards the finish line now uh wake forest and florida state this game is the most interesting game of the week to me do you have any takes on it before I get through what I believe is going to happen in this game? But in terms of interest, this is number one on my slate. Yeah, I, th- I think it's right up there. It's certainly not the number one for me, but it's one that I'm keenly waiting for because we have two programs that we've mentioned a fair bit on last week's games that are up and about at the moment. Wake coming off of a big-time matchup, now facing with a Florida State team that are starting to show something. That, that, and this is an opportunity for them to take that next step forward and really put the flag in and, and prove that they are a legitimate shot in the ACC here. And I think they can do that at home against a team that is coming off of a, a, a big-time matchup. It, it all bodes well for them. Uh, so we'll see for for this because I, I really I could see it going either way. I, I could see them having a very good game and winning this, but I could also see it kind of going sideways on them and them reverting back a little bit because this is the uh, a really tough challenge with with what Wake can score and and do quickly. So certainly intrigued by what's going to happen in this one. Yeah, I totally agree with that point in terms of the the variance of the types of scenarios in the way that this game could finish are greater than lots of other games. Like we could see a full, if things go sideways, we could see a full Florida State meltdown. They've had this rap over the last couple of years of being a little bit mentally weak when things don't go their way. The whole thing just capitulates and they've quit before. That's what we've heard from varying people within the industry is that Florida State teams have quit in the past. They quit on Willie Taggart. They quit first year of Mike Norvell with all the COVID stuff. Could that happen again? If things aren't going their way, does that rear its ugly head again? Maybe. Wake could come out flat after a double overtime loss and and just kind of have the doors blown off. We could have a close back and forth. We could see a situation where Florida State can't handle the shootout nature that they may get into. So I think you've got a whole bunch of different variations here that could occur, which makes this one so interesting to me. I think the question here is going to be, can Wake deliberately continue to be so one-dimensional on offense and have 
the Akeem Dents of the world in that Florida State secondary consistently give up big plays. And I'm not saying he's guilty of giving up big plays. I'm talking about the Florida State secondary as a whole. Will they make enough stops to get this one done? I would say yes, but it's certainly they're going to have their work cut out for them to do so, to keep this Wake Forest team under kind of 30, 35 points. I think 35 points probably for Wake gets it done in this one. I know that's a lot, but you're looking at five touchdowns to make that happen. But I think that's gettable potentially for Wake Forest. So there's certainly a path for them to win this one. On Florida State side, you're going to have to get a lot out of the two Wilsons and, and Micah Pittman on the receiving end. So give Jordan Travis that consistent wide receiver option. They certainly haven't been overly dynamic and overly prolific. It's been a lot of... Um, slow kind of drives, um, but looking comfortable at the same time. So, um, yeah, I don't know where I actually come down on this. I would, I'm taking weight plus the points, but again, this could go a whole bunch of different directions, and that is why I'm going to be glued to this one. Definitely. Oklahoma State and Baylor, two ranked teams. Now, the Cowboys have had trouble with this one in the past. Baylor coming off of a loss... Why are they going to win this one? Why are Oklahoma State going to get the victory over a bit of a... feels like a bit of a like cornered kind of game here where you've got like a back-to-the-wall game for Baylor. They probably haven't got off to the start they are wanting to um, in terms of defending their position at the, at atop the Big 12. How do they ensure here, Oklahoma State, they don't get trapped by this game? So, so Baylor coming off a win against Iowa State. My apologies. Uh, I was but, thinking the week before. Yeah, when they, they, they lost previously. But, they, I mean, they're still undefeated in the Big 12, right? So so they've still got it all heard. And they lost that game in overtime, double overtime, whatever it was, to BYU. Um, and they'd go in very confident in this one. Baylor going in at home as favourites, slight favourites here. I think it's three-point favourites um, in, in this. And we now have a wide-open Big 12 with Texas taking the loss, OU taking the loss, it's these two programs now are the others that are jostling for it. K-State. K-State, absolutely. But then they, they did lose. It was out of Big 12, but they lost to Tulane. So, Kansas? You know, I mean, they are currently sit atop the Big 12. Do they actually? Absolutely. Well, they're 1-0 they against West Virginia, aren't they? Absolutely they do. So get around them. <laughs> um, in this one, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a defensive slugfest. I would be surprised to see this one go over 40 points in total. Wow. I don't know what the, the over-under is. What's but the weather doing? I remember you had that real windy one a couple of years back yeah, and like yeah. field goal well, kickers is missing. A, by. There is a hurricane blowing around somewhere down <laughs> yeah. that part yeah. of the world. Um, but for mine, uh, I, I think it just shapes up with a couple of programs that are relatively well coached, uh, will play disciplined football and will try to contain any big plays. Uh, I think I still think Baylor are lacking in the personnel department. I think they have uh, a few kind of game-breaking talents that they had last year they don't have around this year. And I think Blake Shapin's a good one at quarterback, but he doesn't have the same... Tristan Ebner was a, at uh, running back that they had there and a few others, Jalen Petrie on the defensive side who just had a monster weekend for the Texans, was it, in, in the NFL. Th- those guys aren't there anymore. So th- they're really relying on the fundamentals. And I think Oklahoma State 
will be challenging that. I think they've they've got a, a few playmakers to to try and kind of bust loose, but ultimately it's going to come down to Spencer Sanders and can he get his redemption? Because in right. the big so cha- so on Spencer game, Sanders, we're hearing that he's a Heisman Trophy candidate here. I know some of that mainly been, from me. Yeah, yeah, but, but he's put up good numbers so far. But you can't be having a Heisman quality candidate at quarterback putting up twenty points. Can't happen. I know this is a Dave Aranda defense. We know Baylor's defense is going to be stout. It's going to be quality, at least well-coached, well-organized. You've got to put up more than 20 points. I would argue that's not necessarily the case. In a game like this, I, I think as long as you are playing your role, you're winning the game, and, and you're not turning the ball over, you're putting your team in a position to win, I don't think you necessarily need to go out and show out in a game like this. I, I think you can go through, if, if you're clean, you run one in, you pass one, uh, you don't turn the ball over at all, and you win the game 20-14, to 14, you can, your, your Heisman candidacy is still very much alive on the back of an effort like that. And I think that's what we need to see from him. We, we don't want to see the same errors that we saw in the Big 12 Championship game where he tries to overextend and do a little bit too much. And I think we haven't seen that this year. He has been quite good. There's been an errant throw or two in there, but by and large been very good so far. Can he take that? Can he, can he be, take motivation from the, the championship game loss and then have a day where they win or even take it to another level? And as you so say, you want him to play like Joe Flacco. That's kind of what you want. Just that's what I want. Absolutely. If if anything, <laughs> uh, anything above and beyond where he does play like a true like Heisman guy, it'd be fantastic. But I certainly take every day of the week Joe Flacco. Oh, that is cut. That I need that audio <laughs> clip. Um, yeah, Spencer Sanders is always kind of a bit like Lincoln Riley's offense and anything in college football. There's always that anomaly game, and, and Spencer Sanders has had that one where he would just like throw three picks and put one on the deck as well. And so that game is coming probably as well. Um, it's not this week, Don't though. You put that evil on me, dude. <laughs> not you. Put that evil on me. All right, Washington and UCLA. This one is played in Los Angeles. Both teams, 4 0. Washington have got the more accomplished win uh, here in terms of... I nearly got that out in English. Um, I haven't slept either. Oh, God, I haven't slept for over a year now. Um, But, you know, they got Michigan State and they did things pretty handily, pretty easily in that game. Uh, But it's been done through the passing game and going for over 350 yards a game through the air on... Uh, the, ba- the back of Michael Penix, or through the arm of Michael Penix at least, second in the country in yards per game. And this is a Washington offense that has really never got things going. Even under Chris Peterson, it was really run heavy, um, some play action stuff, and you were leaning into running backs uh, to, to kind of churn out yards. There was nothing explosive about it. And that's completely flipped now. And all of a sudden, Washington looking really devastating with their passing attack. Some really fantastic O-line play as well. And you combine that with a chance to see what UCLA can actually do this year. A really good opportunity to to watch an exciting game, hopefully, um, and get a better picture of where these two stand. Lots of question marks around kind of this, this Washington defense a little bit. And then UCLA as a whole 
And question mark games to me are really good because we still don't know enough about particularly the Bruins, um, but also Washington. And are they actually for real? Or is this a bit of a flash in the pan for the Huskies? Yeah, we absolutely don't know. These two teams have gone so far under the radar across the year. I think Washington bobbed up a little bit with their big win over Michigan State. And you're kind of like, yeah, that's impressive. I I didn't see that coming. But Penix is putting together a nice season here. UCLA, I have no idea who they've played. I'd completely forgotten about Nobody good. what they've got going on this year. So this is the first opportunity for us to see these two teams. And if there's a genuine threat within the, the Pac-12 to your USC or, or Oregon... Maybe those two programs still, still kind of feature up there. Can one of these guys stand up and, and really challenge them this year? And I think we'll find out that through this game. So uh, Bowling Green, Alabama State, Colorado, and South Alabama. Well, it sounds been... like they ran for like 600 yards against Colorado. So <laughs> They actually did. That's not even a joke. Uh, they, I think they like put the queue in the rack completely in this one like it was um a complete shredding on that kind of side of the game yeah zach charbonnet put i know he was one of your favorites um a couple of years ago or last year at least he put on three touchdowns last week against colorado and then they just kind of put him on ice for the rest of the game but um yeah so I, i'm looking forward to a, a good bruins um, Washington outfit. And these are two teams, again, that the Pac-12 would love to have really stand up and, and make a consistently quality effort because um, they've been really disappointing over the, over the last couple of years around um, their performances early in the season. They've both managed to get out the blocks okay, so now we need to see them continue that down the stretch. All right, Kentucky and Ole Miss, um, both teams ranked in the top 15. Ole Miss, again, gone under the radar. Kentucky uh, had a win over Florida, so that game did gain a bit of national attention, but certainly the Rebels have been kept quiet this year. Haven't played anybody at this stage. Their best win might be over a 2-2 two and two Tulsa team. That might be about as exciting a win as they've had this year. So what can you tell me about this game between the Wildcats and the boys from Oxford? Well, I remember at the start of this year, you were kind of hot on Ole Miss through our SEC program, and a big part of that was how the season shaped up for them, how the schedule looked, and, and how you thought that they might go on the back of that, and it's kind of playing out that way, right? Like They've had no one really come close to them yet in the matches that they've had, so we haven't been able to figure out who they are, but they're humming along at 4-0, and and because they're in the SEC, that gets you a, a spot in the top 15. <laughs> Um, and and now they get a plus matchup. Take that, AP poll. <laughs> a plus matchup at home against a Kentucky team who, because they beat an unranked SEC team on the road, somehow jump into the top seven. <laughs> Bob Stoops is a good coach. I mean, yeah, maybe. Who knows? But we're, we're going to certainly see a big deflation on one of these programs and we're going to find out a lot. And, and I think we're saying that about a number of these games and that's why these are the ones we've picked uh, that are exciting. Yes, it is because we've got ranked matchups, but it's also because we don't really know what we're going to see. There's a lot of these pieces where 
leading on from your segment before around, well, now we know, this shit we still don't know. I still don't. Mm. Like, yeah, I know Kentucky are no longer a shit football program. I know that. Yeah, I've got that. But where do they stack up in the SEC? It is still kind of above good. Is it, it is all available? Yeah. Could that I, could could they be excellent? Yeah. Uh. I I think this game is going to be determined on the ground. Chris Rodriguez is back for the the Cats, um, and if he can kind of four safeties down at the box and maybe put a little bit more pressure on that second level of defense and give Will Levis an opportunity to have some bigger windows to throw into, maybe a little bit more time in the pocket, become less one-dimensional because they've been one of the worst running teams in the country, which is very anti-Kentucky. Um, on top of that, we don't know what we've got really from Lane Kiffin here offensively. You're expecting that he's going to have a lot of creativity in the pass game. His run game is always a strength and it could be run v. run game here as well. Um, but can the Rebels stop the pass? Because his defense has always been questioned. Uh, we saw crazy high scores against him last year. Um, but I'm excited to find out whichever way this game goes. If this is over in two hours and it's all running, cool. If it's a high-scoring shootout and Will Levis gets to air things out, then that's cool as well. So we'll see, hopefully, and uh, and it'll be nice to watch some teams play some quality offense, something I'm not used to after watching Miami this year. Purdue at Minnesota, Texas Tech at Kansas State, Bama and Arkansas, all worth keeping an eye on. Your thoughts, and, and mainly the Purdue-Minnesota one because you're Minnesota, I'm Purdue. I, I like the Golden Gophers as well. Um, but the last game we'll get to is the other ACC Atlantic matchup, NC State and Clemson. Can NC State back up a win last year at home, now go on the road and do the same thing again as we've got a top 10 matchup between what I think is probably the most overrated team in the country at the moment in NC State and obviously a Clemson team that I don't think is as good as their ranking is showing either. It's a real show-me game for both of these two teams. We've seen a lot of that. For mine, the number one thing here is DJU. And can he continue to show promise? Because he was he was pretty good last week, I thought. And if, if he can continue on that trajectory and, and really grow into that potential that everyone has seen in him, then Clemson have the potential to get to earn that number five ranking or whatever they've got at the moment. If not, if he reverts back to the, the pumpkin that we've seen at times, then NC State can very much win this game. They have the experience and the talent to be able to do that. I'm putting this all on DJU this week. If we see him take further strides forward, the Clemson are looking really good in the ACC. If not, I think they'll lose this game. They're back in the pack and it's wide open. See, I kind of go the other way. I think this is determined by Devin Leary. I mean, you've got an NC. I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying in terms of DJU needs to perform against an NC State defense that is very sound fundamentally. They get pressure with just bringing the front four on defense um, and then forcing Clemson. They, they're probably going to play, a, I would say, play a bit of zone behind that and then force him to hit those tight windows. On the flip side of that, you've got an NC State team who, again, defense, they're pretty solid at, and then they're going to use the running game. That's the one thing they've been able to do consistently this year is get a lot of horizontal flow, one cut, and then get up field on the edges. Are they going to be able to do that against the speed and strength of that Clemson defensive line? Maybe, maybe not, but Devin Leary is going to have to come to the party because he's looked really disconnected. They've looked struggled to find rhythm with him on the offensive side of the ball passing. And 
in order to make that connection happen, if they're going to win this game, you cannot just rely on defense and run game to win the game. You're going to have to go and score points. That sort of stuff can grind teams down at home maybe, but to go on the road against Clemson, you're going to need this guy who was touted as a preseason Heisman, as a first-round draft pick. You need this guy to show up, and you need him to play well. The quarterback that plays the best in this game wins. Okay, yeah. I, I think you're pretty spot on there. All right, last but certainly not least, because we are talking cash money we go on the punt for a big win in week number four here comes the money here we go money talks here comes the money 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 <laughs> and this week we actually are bringing money to the table hey how rare is that as i alluded to off the get-go i've had a fantastic weekend uh, started Friday night races, Mooney Valley, continued on the racing Saturday, and then the college football Sunday delivered. Now, you're always good for one of these a year, though, where everything comes up sweet. It all, in it all, all comes aspects. up good, oh, and, and it funds me for the year, and I'm grateful for it. And I spend all that money, and then I have to kind of funnel it all back into the account. And yeah, good. Who am I kidding? I don't spend it all, it stays in the account until I've used it all. But. <laughs> This was one of those weeks, and I was up and about. It was all good fun. We were so close to absolutely collecting the bag. I've gone five of six this week, uh, and the way that I bet is that I normally kind of multi them all into each other, uh, and then that par- is that a parlay in American parlance? Is that what they call a parlay bet? Or no? uh, parlay is kind of where you bet on uh, a number of things to occur that are not necessarily the outcome of the game, and you multi them together. I believe. So it's like this running back goes for over yeah, correct. 45 and, yards. And, yeah, and, and, yeah, and this okay. happens. I believe that is a parlay. I think this is just a, a multi-bet. Okay. Um, but I think they call it like a Yankee something for where, depending on the, the amount of legs and, and all the combinations yeah, yeah. that you get. So obviously the more you get, the better you are, but it also becomes exponential. So if you hit all of them, you've got every combination into each other as well as the combination of all of them happening. Now, if that had happened, I would have collected a lot of money, but unfortunately we'll start with that one team who who shit the bed and let me down here. That was Liberty. Uh, (laughs) When I was kind of going through these games, I was like, fuck, this is looking pretty good. This is looking pretty good. I've got Miami uh, just... Just please, middle Are you serious. <laughs> this is the third time I had Middle Tennessee plus twenty six and a half, and you were like, "That's a good Which bet." Which I agree with. <laughs> it is a good bet, isn't it? I probably could have taken it. Like you guys lost by fourteen fucking points. That's Can a you, big, that is a big dude, swing, mate. Oh, sorry. Then My I had no birthday. You forgot it, and now you're just like <laughs> taking that good. open yeah, wound, pouring bad. salt in, then stomping on it. I. Uh, 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 a makeup here, mate. I'm sorry. Uh, Notre Dame beat UNC. That was a good one. Fuck you. Never really looked in danger there. Washington State, the plus six and a half backdoor cover. It was kind of like through the front door and then back out the back door covering that one. Uh, I had Cow minus three and a half. I think they were down. It was tight at half time and they managed to kick away, so it was really good there. And then sure enough, Liberty, bang, scored in the first couple of minutes. Bang, scored again another couple of minutes later. So like halfway through the first or up 14-0, I'm like cruising, looking all right. (laughs) 
And then it all kind of turned to shit. They turned the ball over. They missed a field goal. Akron scored a field goal. And it was it just kind of fizzled out from there. And it was a bit of a low-scoring affair. They got away with the win, but I don't think they scored 29 points in the end. So that one cost me the whole bag. But uh, I then had Miami, Ohio, plus six and a half at Northwestern. I think they won that in the end. So not bad. Five of six, as you say, usually good for this once a year. Uh, but I, I think this is really good. The change of tactic around betting on trends that are occurring has worked. So I've gone back to that well for this Okay, one. just a quick one because I still don't know enough about gambling. Is five of five better than five of six? Uh, yeah. It's, or are it's they worth better. the same? Are they worth the same? Uh, no, so the way that I bet is that no. I, I would have invested the same amount of money on five of five would have made me a lot more. Okay, right. Well, no. Anyway, carry on. So this week, I'm sure everyone now, I've caught everyone's attention <laughs> with Will's Crack the Code. Let's listen in. We all want free <laughs> this money. This is going to go up in flames here. Who knows? But it just so happens that this week, there's a lot of similarities in how things have shaken out. That I'm taking a lot of home favourites. That's never a bad, it's not a bad decision. I, uh, I'm relying on things to occur that we expect to occur, which in the college football world is a dangerous game because that often does not happen. But <laughs> let's go through it. So I've got Air Force minus 14 against Navy. Bit of a rivalry game, but the heap's Navy, better than Navy. Navy have been terrible. Though. They have been. Air Force at home. I think the airmen smack them here. Uh, you're not going to like this one, but I got Minnesota minus 12 and a half Ooh. against Purdue. Big. Minnesota at home. There's a couple of touchdowns there, but they are blowing the doors off of teams. I, th- I think they're a very good football team. I think they're going to be able to run the ball on this Purdue team. Give me Minnesota minus 12 and a half. I have <clears throat> Bowling Green minus eight and a half against Akron. So these one, this Mate, one, they're going go on the road. To, don't go back to Akron. I know, I'm I'm going back to that well. After getting stung by them last week, I'm doing it again. But Bowling Green, only eight and a half. Akron are not good. I think they're getting a bit of credit for fucking me up last week. And I'm going to leverage that and and take Bowling Green minus eight and a half here. Arkansas, state, minus six and a half versus (laughs) Louisiana Monroe. (laughs) I am going Arkansas State, minus six and a half versus Louisiana Monroe. Uh, I'm taking Texas nine and a half against West Virginia. They've been very strong against the spread this year, so I will do that. Playing at home, West Virginia have shown to be pretty bad. Uh, so give me give me Texas, and then lastly, I'm taking uh, the one underdog here, Virginia plus two and a half at Duke. I think they had a bit of a weird one with Syracuse. Uh, on the Saturday here in Australia. I think they turn it around against Duke. Uh, and even though they're on the road, I'll take the two and a half points and I'll get them there. Okay, well, it's that time of the year where I probably start wondering whether Ooh, I can get to my 60% number. Um, so I'll probably put five. I'll put five down here as well. Um, I'm not going to tell you all of them, but a couple of little sneaky ones. Oreg- uh, sorry, Utah. Minus 10.5 against Oregon State, coming off a big, big 
um, game last week. That would have taken a lot of juice out of them. To then go on the road to Salt Lake City is it going to be a tough matchup for them. Um, and I will give you... I've said I'd take Wake plus the points. So they're giving six and a half at the moment. So give me Wake plus six and a half. The last one is UNC minus nine. I know UNC's defense is an absolute abortion, but Virginia Tech are terrible. So give me North Carolina minus the nine. Where's that one being played? At uh, Chapel Hill. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that. You're right. Virginia Tech are fucking bad. <laughs> All right. Now, that brings us to the end of... Week number five preview, uh, I get to, I don't know how I feel like when you come off such a bad loss and then go into a bye week, it just lingers for an extra week. I don't know if that's good or if we then go into conference play and then get smacked by a team in conference play. I don't know. You're really tossing the coin there. Um, But anyway, I hope you guys enjoy your week of college football. Unless you've got anything else, Will? No, I'm with you. Enjoy it. Go Pokes. Go pokes. Are you are you gonna you'll be nervous. You will be nervous yelling nervous at your T V. I am a little bit nervous. I'm heading away camping for the long weekend here in South Australia, but I will make sure Is I it a long have the weekend? ability. Yeah. Is it? Monday. What, what day is it? Well today is No no, I know what day it is, but like what's the <laughs> public holiday? It's school holiday, so I don't really it's, know it's, anything. It's Labor Day, Monday. Labor Day. For all the labourers. No, if it's for, if you voted for Labor, you get the day off. So you don't, you definitely don't get the yeah, day yeah, off. You're right, I don't get the day <laughs> off. <laughs> All right. Uh, at CFB down under Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. On behalf of that, go over there. Thank you so much for joining us. My name's Aaron. That is Will. Good luck making money this week. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.